Welcome to the Depth and Life Podcast. I'm J.D. Pirtle. As humanity takes measures to slow the spread and effects of the coronavirus disease 2019, or COVID-19, businesses, schools, and many public gathering places are shutting down or being restricted. This is very worrisome for all of us, and as of now, there are many unknowns. Educators of all types are facing the many challenges of a school system which has seemingly overnight been converted to distance learning only. In this ongoing series, we will be talking to educators each week about the difficulties, surprises, and discoveries they are meeting as they continue to teach during this unprecedented world event. So Mary Lynn, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk to me. I really appreciate it. Great. It's great being here. So I was wondering, you know, so you work for Chicago Public Schools, um, which is a fairly well-known public school district, at least in the United States. I wondered if you could just describe to us kind of, you know, tell us your name and what you normally do in Chicago Public Schools um, kind of before this crisis. So my name is Mary Lynn Martin. Um, I'm a special ed teacher and the case manager for a pre-K through eighth grade school in CPS. So CPS, Chicago Public Schools for, for yes. our non-Chicago listeners. Yeah. So and what so, that, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, exactly. So what does that look like day to day? So what that looks like is currently um, I'm in, in two classrooms a day and doing an inclusion environment where the, I'm a push-in support into the gen ed classroom. And then as the role of a case manager, it's me following through with all the IEPs evaluations for the students pre-K again through eighth grade. So in the inclusion role, what does that entail exactly? So it's providing support with the gen ed teacher with students who have IEPs who need that support in the classroom. So it's providing accommodations and modifications daily when their daily assignments, um, their assessments, and just sometimes the social emotional component, sometimes a sensory component, things that will make them have um, access to the core and general ed curriculum, but with the modifications that allow them to be successful. Sure. And so, you know, for parents who have gone through this or for teachers, the whole IEP process, getting an IEP, um, can you just kind of describe what that, what an IEP is and like what kind of different things um, can a student get an IEP for and what kind of accommodations that might provide? So like the, the steps that go through with that is that a parent or a teacher can refer a student. So if we put in um, interventions in the classroom to see if the student needs those interventions to be successful. And after a time period, there's the tier one. Tier one is what everyone in the classroom has, whether it's lights on, a chair, a desk, a pencil. Then tier two is a little bit of supports. And then once you hit that tier three and they're not making that success, that's typically when the parent or the teacher comes to me and says, we're seeing these concerns. Then the team would meet together with the parent. Um, we would get consent from that parent to do an evaluation. Then the school in CPS in Chicago, we have 60 school days to complete that evaluation. So that's um, testing done, whether it's a social emotional concern, an orthopedic concern, um, occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech services. Our psychologists test for the academics. Then we mm -hmm. meet together as a team, go over what those um, results are and see what the student would be eligible for. So different eligibilities are different um Specific learning disability is one of the, the categories. Specific learning disability is a broad spectrum. There's like a mild to, you know, a moderate to more severe. Mm -hmm. um, we have intellectual disability. We have autism. 
we have some kids that are developmental delay. So a developmental delay is for students that are young that we're not exactly sure what is kind of going on. Is it a maturity level? Is it just something that, you know, we need to provide more of those interventions? But after the age of nine, they no longer can can take, keep an, uh, a label of developmental delay. So mm-hmm. at that time, it, their eligibility is a determination if there is still something going on. A lot of times it will switch to a specific learning disability at that time. Sure. So you kind of split your time from pushing into the classroom and just being a case manager to manage all these different um, kind of designations and the needs of each level of child in each domain or, or area that they might need special accommodations. Yes. yes. So now, you know, um, since the outbreak of COVID-19 and, you know, CPS as of a few weeks ago, uh, or maybe it's been longer or shorter, it's, you know, yeah. time is kind of dilating here. Um, um, CPS kind of initially did a lot of increased cleaning, uh, a lot of um, kind of public mm-hmm. health um, informing of parents and students and staff. And then eventually the decision was made to close the district and close schools. So how has that impacted the, you know, the students you work with? And how are you guys kind of continuing education through this time? So at, at this point right now, right before we went off, we were back at school on that Monday. I can't even remember what the date exactly was. We So we had the weekend to prepare. So a lot of packets were prepared. CPS also prepared packets for all of the schools in the, in the district. Um, and then we had our own individual packets to prepare. So as a team, as our whole school did, we're not a large school, so we're very close-knit like family, um, mm-hmm. working together to provide as much as we could with e-learning, but not all of our students have um, computers at home or internet. So we also did the worksheet packets. So all of those went home with our students. And that was, you know, week one, week two, thinking that at that time we would be coming back. Um, now things mm-hmm. have obviously, you know, continued on. We're staying out as of right now until April 21st. With that date, we've set up in our classrooms, it's a Google Classroom. So mm-hmm. every grade level has a Google Classroom. And then they invite different teachers to participate in those classes. The students then are all given that information through Dojo or emails. I know there's been sometimes phone calls made to have Mm. the parents access that. If the parents don't have that access of the Internet or the computer, we're making, again, those worksheets and all of those things to try to accommodate for them are at our school because there is the food that is going out daily to the families. So families can come pick up food you know, for the week to help support families that are in need. And along with that are typically our families that need the um, the support packets that they're not having with the internet. So those packets are also laid out by our school for them to take. It's my understanding that we are, that CPS is providing or is looking into providing um, laptops for teachers at home and also for students that don't have them. And then I think it's Comcast that's trying to do the free internet. So then that all of our kids would have access. Again, if this continues on and, and the trend looks like that we would be closed for the rest of the year, we're not sure of that yet. Mm-hmm. If that does happen, we do really need to be providing these supports for the kids, for everyone, so that they all can have equity across the all grade levels. So there really wasn't, I mean, you know, I know from my own older son who's in CPS as of this year, there is, you know, a lot of teachers use Google Classroom. Um, mm-hmm. And within the schools, often there's like a Chromebook card or something like that. Right. So kids have access to these devices, but there wasn't really a continuous distance learning plan in place before no. all this happened. No, we just had, we had a weekend to kind of get things together and talk, you know, amongst our own school, like grade levels and try to pull stuff together. One thing that's been nice, um, we do meet like twice a week, just by by different grade levels with our principal and assistant principal doing this virtual hangout. 
And then mm-hmm. for me, case managers, I'm meeting with the network daily. So with that, we're trying to um, come up with different strategies and different ideas. A lot of things have become out free right now. So different e-learning, you know, programs are out there, Epic Learning, um, like the IXL, Khan Academy, all of those things right now are being offered for free. So those things are nice for mm-hmm. our kids to be able to have access to. And also for us as a school to see if there's things that maybe we would purchase for the future for our own, the whole school. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, kind of in, in a lot of the conversations I've had since, you know, I've kind of been doing these podcast interviews with different teachers who are teaching around the world during COVID-19. Um, a lot of times I'm talking to teachers in independent schools who have the means to provide a device per child, um, or there's like some kind of BYOD, bring your own device program, mm-hmm. um, you know, socioeconomic levels being what they are in a lot of those schools that there is a stable internet connection at home. So, I mean, is, is what percentage of, of families are you aware from your school at least don't have reliable access to technology to connect to this continuous distance learning? I mean, I say it at our school right now, it's probably about 20% that mm-hmm. are not able to have access. And again, it's still, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a hurdle to come over to get them, you know, get them the Chromebook and then get the internet provided mm-hmm. in. I mean, we have a lot of um, Spanish speaking families at our school, so there's mm-hmm. no English spoken in the home. So again, it's, it's, there's, you know, there's things to overcome and obstacles to get through to make sure that everybody has this. And so, the, like you mentioned before, so families who are eligible can pick up food, I think like three yeah. days worth. Yeah. Um, and there's like special distribution centers that have been set up that are like, you know, kind of low contact with, mm-hmm. you know, humans. Um, and so the plan is to, until CPS can roll out some kind of free internet through Comcast and kind of these devices through CPS, um, it's, so the plan is to kind of provide worksheet packets for right. the families. Try to supplement through that. I mean, a lot of times, sometimes on the internet, or on the like on the IXL, I'll use as an example that's pretty general across everywhere that mm-hmm. you can still print that stuff out. Mm-hmm. What's beneficial is having with it on being on the computer. There's videos. There's some things that kind of talk mm-hmm. you through it, so parents can see. Again, it's hard to be at home. We're so used to being teachers in the classroom that we are like, this is how you do it. The mm-hmm. kids know that, but if they're moving on to a new lesson, it is going to be a struggle to just be handed a worksheet. Even, you know, videos are are great, but it's not the same as having that teacher in the classroom with them. Sure. So, I mean, there's no instruction, there's no demonstration. No. So what about kids turning in those worksheets? Do they bring them back when they so pick that's, up? That's kind food? of the routine we have going right now. So kids are getting them when they get the food mm-hmm. and then dropping them back off. And then our principal and assistant principal go out later in the day so that there's no contact and bring them in. Um, Mm -hmm. Right now, we're being told through CPS is that we only do, we're grading, but the grades are only if it benefits the students. So it's not Mm -hmm. like a lower grade. It's only if it benefits them. So going through that, we have opened up our grade book so everyone has access so that we can all work together um, because it may be, you know, our principal is getting the the homework back or we're not getting it so that the grades are put in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've seen there's obviously a lot of chatter in, you know, on Twitter amongst teachers and other places about, you know, that during a crisis, a pandemic like this that is causing so much anxiety amongst children, Mm -hmm. especially younger kids, like what they did on a worksheet during a worldwide pandemic is really, they're not going to remember that necessarily. It's not the most important thing right now. Right. Exactly. I mean, we're trying to make things fun. So we do have, um, it's a YouTube channel that Sayer started and mm-hmm. the teachers are trying to read in that it, like daily. Somebody's taking a turn to read a book to the kids. Some of our science teachers have been doing experiments with the kids so that they can see, you know, actually see us, hear our voice, 
So there's still that connection going on. And that's been, mm-hmm. you know, I think, fun for the kids to see. They've tried to do Google Hangouts where we're inviting families to all join in and they can do mm-hmm. a math lesson together. The kids like to see each other because at this point right now, it was that they were going outside. But now with the parks closed down, I mean, everything's closed down. It's very, you know, I, little ones are going to feel very isolated. We as adults feel isolated. So sure. to give them as much support as possible because you do worry about their emotional health, not only, you know, academics, but their emotional health and how they're feeling. So. Mm-hmm. We're doing the, we're, again, it's like doing the best that we can, you know, trying to think of ways. It's it's a conversation. I think families need to know, like, it is a conversation that we have daily. At least at our school, there's a conversation daily of a mm-hmm. virtual hangout like this to discuss things that we can start implementing each day. Sure. I mean, from, you know, your point of view, you guys started this year with a, you know, the Chicago <laughs> Teachers Union um, went on strike and that lasted yeah. several weeks. And, um, you know, it was a lot of, I think a lot of the families were thinking of themselves and what would they do with their children, but it was a lot of emotional tumult for all of you educators. Um, so how do you feel about this year? I mean, is it, is it just kind of from, you know, out of the frying pan and into the fire with, to use an old phrase? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's I mean, been, it's been quite a year. This has been such an unusual year. Sometimes we, we were saying, talking together is like, was that this year? Or was that last year? Cause it's, you know, we came back, teachers are back kind of end of August, kids start in September, you know, then we go on strike, we come back. And when you look at a school schedule, it's like, we'll come back November 1st. We're mm-hmm. out for Thanksgiving. Then it's, you know, the holiday breaks in December. You're out of part of January. And February has been our like only month of really like a solid month. And then, you know, we're gone. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's a hard year for us teachers. It's a hard year for our kids. I mean, speaking on that, um, we have discussed as a team at school that, we want, like, if there was a time, if, even if we don't close, like this has been such a gap year, but if we were to close the rest of the school year, starting next year off, how do we support our kids that are moving mm-hmm. to the next grade level when they've lost, you know, so many months of schooling? So what plan can we put in place? And right now, that's the work in progress and the conversation that we're having together of what can we do to make sure that those skills that they were, you know, supposed to be taught in fourth grade, they're able to still have access to them while moving forward with fifth grade is an example. Sure. So, I mean, is there concern about, I mean, I assume you guys are supposed to hit a certain number of instructional hours per year. Is there, is there concern that that won't be met or is this kind of, does this kind of not count uh, if, for lack of a better phrase? Um, you know, I, I think it's kind of up to the governor at this mm-hmm. point. I mean, I think we, you know, we're getting feedback that, that our students are not going to be, you know, penalized because of this, nor are like the teachers. So I know there was talk of students were going to have to repeat the grade that they were in. That is not my understanding. That's not happening. So like if you're Mm -hmm. in fourth grade, you're going to fifth grade. You know, if you're in fifth, you're going into sixth. You're not redoing that year. We as our school are talking about how can we support our students when we come back to school in the fall just to help them, you know, with possible lessons that were missed or possible strategies that were not mastered. Um, if we're not in school, is there going to be summer school this year? We don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, those are all things that are still up in the air. If there was summer school, you know, I'd hope that all of our students would take advantage of it if they were able to. Mm-hmm. That's with me being a case manager. All of our students that have IEPs have a source of ESY, which is extended school year. It's not like summer school, like a punishment. It's something that is to help you maintain the skills that you've learned. When we see mm-hmm. kids that have had a great, you know, a, if they've had a break, whether it's a holiday break in December, when they come back, are they regressing from the skills that they learned before? So we recommend ESY for a lot of our students. I'm hoping that if it's if we have it this summer, that all of our families take advantage of that. 
Sure, because I'm thinking about with the extra five days that were added on through the agreement with the Chicago yeah. Teachers Union and CPS. Um, I mean, you guys were kind of going all the way till the end of August, or end of June anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there is some talk maybe about you know continuing if if kids can return to school, which nobody you mm-hmm. know is certain about. I mean, certainly people want kids to return to school, but right. lots of people don't feel that that's going to be safe anytime soon. So one yeah. option on the table is kind of returning in the summer sometime and pushing on through through the 2020, 2021 year? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. We, but for summer school, yes. I don't know if we would come back as a school to do that, if CPS mm-hmm. would come back. I, there is some legal thing about not being in school in July is my understanding. I'm not sure. Everything right now, it's like day to day. We don't know. I mean, this is such an unusual situation. It's, you know, every day we're learning something new. I think they, they can change laws if they need them to make it work. But it, I, for us as a teacher, for myself and our school, I would say is that it's what can we do to help our kids move forward and be successful? Because I don't want them to come in and have that challenge. And again, I think there'll be such excitement to come back to school, whether it's now or in the fall, just to have that normalcy, have that routine, see their friends. But then also, you don't want kids to just shut down if they get there and they can't do the work when you know mm-hmm. they weren't taught you know, how to, if they, if you don't know how to add and subtract, it's really difficult to start learning multiplication and division. So, sure. you know, it's like going back and making sure that we, we are able to give those beginning skills to go forward, but then also not lose another year next year. Like we still want to make them push through to what, whatever that grade level is that they need to go forward with. So this is where like vertical alignment of curriculum is going to be really important. Um, You know, if you started third grade off with um, kind of expecting a a certain range of skills, you may have to adjust your expectation as a third grade teacher Mm -hmm. to um, with the kids you're going to get who, you know, are coming from second grade going through all of this. Right. Well, and if you have a son that's in CPS, you know, our retaining years are three, six and eight. So third grade, sixth grade and eighth grade are the three years that we can retain a student, have a student, you know, repeat a year. For Mm -hmm. our students right now, three, six, and eight, that's not going to happen because we're not coming back. We're not taking our NWEA. So those are all factors that ruled into why a student would have to repeat a grade or attend summer school, the bridge program, to see if they needed to repeat that grade. Mm -hmm. We're not going to do that. So everyone's being passed on or passed forward. It could be detrimental to some, you know, but how do you justify not passing someone when we haven't been in the building to actually work, you know, together? So that's where we're like thinking ahead of those supports for those like, you know, fourth grade, you know, seventh grade and the eighth graders obviously will be going on to high school. Mm-hmm. So the families you interact with, um, I mean, how do they seem to be coping with this? I mean, obviously there's the personal part of it. There's the kind of yeah. scholastic part, um, them worrying about their kids as students. Um, I think the parents so far have been, I mean, we have a great a great, again, being a small school, it really helps that having those family connections and being the case manager, I get to know pretty much all of our families, not just mm-hmm. students with IPs, but kind of everyone because I'm in the classroom also and, and just trying to be a part of the building. So feedback that we've been getting is, you know, they're excited about the Google classroom. Anything that we provide, people are like, give it to us. Like, whatever you have, let us have it. Um, we are, again, with that Google classroom, every teacher coming in. So like our PE teachers putting in an activity for the kids to do. So there is mm-hmm. things um, we're trying to set up schedules. So let's say Monday, Wednesday is language arts, Tuesday, Thursdays is math and Fridays is science and social studies. But then the specials are also in there. So our specials this year would be PE, music and Spanish. So mm-hmm. those lessons are in there. So 
It may not take up a full, you know, six, seven, eight hours of your day to do your lessons each day, but at least there's a routine and structure in their day so that they can feel some kind of normalcy with whatever it is at home. I know Mm -hmm. um, with kids that have the IEPs and that a lot of the struggle is like we have vision boards at school that say, you know, and we've been doing it every day. Here's your beginning activity. Here's your next Mm -hmm. activity. Here's this activity. So we've sent things home like that for parents that they can make their own vision schedule Mm -hmm. so that kids can see that because right now I cannot imagine what is going on in everyone's homes. You know, my own house isn't normal of what I, you know, typically do in a day. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, it's imagine of having, you know, two, three different kids of different grade levels in your class or in your house. And now you're the teacher who's trying to make sure everybody has enough computer time or enough science or math time um, just to make it work. So are there strategies that you would share or that you have, uh, have heard about or seen in practice or ad- advocating for for parents who are, uh, especially the moms out there who I think are disproportionately, um, you know, now they're working, taking care of the home, taking care of their kids and also their their kids, you know, right. teachers all of a sudden. Right. Are there strategies? I mean, I think, you know, the one that everybody is saying is, you know, cut yourself some slack. You're, you're doing five jobs here. But what, right. what strategies from your kind of, you know, expertise might work in a home right now? I think the scheduling, no matter what. I think it's like if you have, you know, two, let's say you have three kids in the house, have them, one's doing math one day, one's doing language arts the next day. You mm. don't have to finish it all. And if you don't finish it, it's okay. I have parents that have emailed and said, oh, we didn't get this assignment done. And, you know, my reply is no worries. Like, right. just do what, you, do what you can do. You know, mm-hmm. and I think people do want to make sure that they are getting as much in as they can so that their kids are getting, you know, a full school year with whatever that wants to look like at this point on. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, relax. We have a lot of things going on in the world and what they're seeing on the news and, you know, stresses at home, whether parents are home and not working. I mean, there's so many other things that are involved in it that I'm really not worried if you didn't turn your math assignment in this week. Like, that's OK. Like, we'll figure it out. Um and I, th- I think for parents, just in moms and dads who are home, take a breath and just, mm-hmm. you know, kind of chill. I'm, 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 I try to be pretty laid back about stuff with kids and that. And I'm always like, you know what, you got to chill out and, you know, just come in and chill out. We'll figure this out together. And, you know, and then that's the only way you can be for, you know, go forward and be successful. It's like, like I said, that one math assignment or that language art assignment isn't going to, you know, make or break us at this point. Sure. So for the children you work with, you know, with IEPs and the different uh, special accommodations is, I mean, I imagine this is proving to be um, even more challenging than say other students. I mean, are there, um, I mean, do you find that some of these kids are really struggling with um, maybe the lack of structure at home or the lack of, I mean, you mentioned, you know, with the parks being closed, there's not really anywhere to go and kind of do that large gross motor um, Mm -hmm. movement. Um, do, do you find that some of the kids you work with are struggling with this or are they happy to be at home and, and not in school or, or some of all of that? I think there's a, it's a mixed bag. I think some of it is that, you know, you always hear like kids are different at school than they are at home. Mm -hmm. So right now it's a combination of all of that put together. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the, the biggest thing is not being able to really go outside and go do anything. I mean, we all need that break. So for the, my, like my students, it's, we're trying to like with academic wise, we're trying to really individualize it. So we have like records of what they were at at their reading level. So we're giving assignments like let's say you are in that third grade, but your reading level is at first grade. We're still giving you those assignments that are on that first grade reading level, but it's still with the the general ed education background, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. like to interpret that. So 
I know that there's some places or some families that I've seen, you know, speaking out, like whether it's on Twitter or on Facebook saying, you know, my kid can't do this sixth grade work. And it's a student maybe that's with an IEP. I haven't had that brought up to me from anyone at our school, but we are very much trying to individualize that. So there isn't that frustration because I that would just doubly frustrate our students. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to be like, oh, my gosh, I don't even know how to do this. You know, my teacher knows this. Why is she sending this to me? Um, so we, we're trying to keep that as level as possible for our kids and then trying to send fun things again or having like the movement exercises, mm-hmm. sending out different kind of sensory things that you can do at home. I will say I've looked up and found so many great things, but at the you know, then it's like, well, I don't have four pieces of cardboard right now. And I don't have, mm-hmm. you know, these supplies. It's a great thing to see and plan for the future. But with all of this coming so quickly, it makes it, you know, really difficult. Sure. So on a personal note, are there self-care things that you, you know, um, are employing that really are working for you um, uh-huh. that you want to share? <laughs> you know what? I truly try, like trying to get outside, even if just mm-hmm. to take a walk around the neighborhood, just to do something. I mean, I'm right. trying to keep a sense of normalcy. We are a 7.30 start school. So I truly try to be in front of my computer at 7.30 every day. Oh, wow. Just so that like, you know, if they're like, you're coming back tomorrow, I'm not like, I've been sleeping until 10. No, you know, yeah. I want to keep it that it's like some sense of normalcy. Um, we are still having our IEP meetings. So we're doing it virtually with our families. So, so much like this, it's a Google Hangout. Our mm. families are invited. We're moving forward with our meetings that way. I mean, it's very different than, of course, you know, being in the school. And so I've had meetings, all of my meetings, all of my conversations are, are through a Google Hangout. It's just, it's a different way of life, but it's, it's trying to keep as normalcy and things moving forward as possible. So again, back to the consistent schedule, it works for adults and teachers and kids <laughs> yeah. and everybody else. Yes. Yes. And the, I mean, I get it that parents are frustrated and you know, what, what, what's going on, but it's like teachers are frustrated too, because this isn't our normalcy. This is not, you know, March, April is not when we expected to not be at school. You know, mm-hmm. and it's, and it again, it's like, as, as the strike was at the beginning of the year, it was difficult not being in the classroom then. And then, you know, we have it again in the same year to, you know, kind of feel at a loss ourselves of what, what are we supposed to be doing right now? Cause we're so used to being with our students and we're with them, you know, all day long. So there are family, there are kids, you know, I, when I say our, my kids, I have my, my biological kids and then I have my kids mm-hmm. at school. So, you know, you worry about them and care about them and want to see them succeed. Sure. Well, Mary Lynn, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And this is a really interesting conversation. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Depth and Life podcast. A very special thank you to the educators who have taken time to talk to us during this troubling period. If you are an educator and would like to join an upcoming conversation, send us an email at info at We would love to hear from you.